The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to the 750. I am your ORG Ochoa. He is your 75, two time Super Bowl champion, college football Hall of Famer, and not the best pickleball player in his own household. The one and only Tony Casillas. TC, what up? I'm doing good, man. But wait a second. I did not say that. I said that <laughs> I, I, I'm very competitive, by the way. And what you're referring to is the things that we've been doing as a family. And, and I will say this we are competitive, but I just don't move as quick as I have in the past i got to think about that step and uh and what i'm going to refer to is you know my wife and i are playing pickleball we we got so our every every evening we've been challenging the twins boy you know they're 19 jet sophia so um as far as the best two out of three i will give you that i really have suffered in that and but i'm willing to to swallow the uh a taste of your humility pill because it is what it is Hey, I mean, if you can't be the best pickleball player in the world, like if you have to be the second best, wouldn't it be awesome if the best was your son? You know what I mean? Like if you got to lose to somebody, although I have to imagine losing to your son is also a little bit more bitter um, in in different ways. Just kind of like, man, dude, what's going on? Well, there's just enough. Yeah, but there's just just enough still DNA, some competitive (laughs) DNA in your body, you know? Uh, And so you got to convince yourself. And uh, But what I hate is that, when he tries to, it's like posting, posterizing you when in slam dunk. Mm, some dude slamming over you like, like uh, Shaquille O'Neal over Sean Bradley. I, I kind of right. feel like that because he's trying to take my head off, and I serve it, all, volley it over the net, and then he just tries to smash it down my throat. <laughs> so maybe it's just all those ill feelings he's had, you know, for you know grinding him and everything else. But uh, right. nevertheless, that's what we're doing now. We're trying to. Uh, get through all this and navigate through this whole pandemic. But I think we see the light. We see some light sure. that's in the horizon. We'll be okay. Um, well, we're both in Texas, and obviously on Monday there was some news from the governor and everything. So, yeah. again, we hope everybody's happy, safe, and social distancing, and hopefully we get through these days sooner rather than later. Um, Tony, we're obviously going to touch on the draft, but uh, we didn't touch a lot on it last week, and I can't believe that. But what do you think of episodes three and four of The Last Dance before we start anything? <laughs> Uh, I I just laugh because it's so great, and it's just, it really is. I, I mean, the vault of all this, you know, all this uh, this video. Yeah, I, I can't they believe got. they sat on this. Like, I'm uh, I'm almost mad that they had all of this for all this time and didn't share it with us. 
that's like sitting on a you know a pot of gold right. and this is so golden the fact that we can kind of pull the whole curtain back and see the, the you know the the nuances and just the different personalities everything that went into the last the last season and the one the Rodman season I mean we could we could do a whole podcast on that but uh, the highlight was uh, you know you know obviously him Dennis Rodman going right before a playoff run uh, that he needed vacation and he, he gave him 48 hours and Michael Jordan had to go get his ass because he exceeded that time but I, you know, RJ, it's just been, it's been brilliant. I mean, it, we couldn't ask for a better time considering there's no basketball. Right. And, and just, I think the fact that people can just, you know, just kind of get a, an, an eye view of what happened in those great years and even in the contemporaryism that we have now. But I just think it's spectacular to see how great just that whole team and how it was kind of dysfunctional, but how they sold together and on the greatest players of all time, man, just how driven and and at times probably didn't a lot of people didn't like especially his teammates sure i have three things to say on this quickly number one is i don't know if i've ever said this to you so obviously i live in san antonio i've been a spurs fan my whole life but i have a soft spot uh my eastern conference team is the detroit pistons uh my dad used to work for a company that's world headquarters were in detroit so he would always bring me back like a piston shirt every time he'd go up or a cap or something so i just kind of developed a love for the, this was by the way like early 2000s the chauncey billups rip hamilton you know so i really loved those pistons teams when they met the spurs in the finals it was it was not a fun week in my house but uh but so that was you know so it was a rough episode from that perspective you know not a great you know look for the bad boys uh certainly but um my question was going to be did you ever go to any bulls games maybe bulls mavericks games in the 90s you yeah, know, you know I, jordan I, I saw jordan play one time and that was i guess it'd be the equivalent of people watching lebron play now and right. just some of the great the greatest players that are playing in the league now and yeah it was just uh it's just it's it's the fact that you're actually in the same building get to see sure you know, it'd be like watching tiger woods play golf i mean I, mm-hmm. I i put those two those guys in the same category uh but uh you know just uh how eloquent and how one-dimensional he was at time and and you know the, the the and you look at some of the excerpts of that the last the, the three or four episodes how about isaiah isaiah Thomas? i forgot about the detroit pistons not shaking their hand and to this yeah. day, That's I don't know saying, if you saw this on social media, they talked to Isaiah Thomas, and some for some reason he didn't make the, the, the Olympic team. And he just, you know, he basically said, look, you know, if there's a reason why it made a bad emotional it decision, I'm not second because of Jordan. You know, yeah. he was boycotting that. But uh, I cannot say enough of it. It's 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 just the way it's done, the way it's rolled out. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's brilliant, man. It's great stuff to watch. So my last question, this will kind of segue us into the Cowboys. If if one of you guys had said, I need a trip to Vegas uh, in the middle of a season like that, I, it's a two-part question. Number one is who would have been the guy that said that? Who, who would have been the most likely one to have said, I need to go to Vegas? And number two, who would have been the one to go get him out of Vegas? So who would have been the Rodman? I'm going to go, I'm gonna go with uh, the playmaker, Michael Irvin. <laughs> and I'm probably it, it, just because it'd be great made for TV, right? We can just sure. assume that. Uh, and uh, and I'll let uh, Michael play that guy, all right? Uh, in that role in the movie. And, and I, I can see Troy Aikman knock on the door and said, "Dude, we need you back. <laughs> we got we got some business to take it." Yeah, now, I don't know. We'd, now you know Michael was married at that time, so I don't know. I don't think Carmen Electra would be inside his room, but uh, I don't know. It's that's the thing about it. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, Dennis Rodman. It, the Duke could ball. And then the fact that he could go to, to Las Vegas for 
70 was a 70 out two hours and come back and no one it was in the condition that was a conditioned athlete athlete on and off the court if you know sure yeah i mean uh i love the dream team documentary that they did on obviously the dream team and it talks about how when they were in barcelona jordan would they would all like play cards till like 4 a.m and then jordan would get up and go play 18 holes and then you know would be the first one in the gym and would just like dominate like you know i just i don't know how people have that stamina i mean uh, I think yeah. basketball is a lot easier it, to be able to compartmentalize that. I'm not saying that that that, that you know that football is would be any easier, but I think that maybe basketball, just because they you know they play so many games, maybe like a guy getting a, a night off, a back to back night off. But uh, again, it's just uh, to to be as effective and how dominating they were and the personalities. Uh, you know, some of the the things that were said. I mean, the one liners. It's just so. It, and I think it gives us a point to look at this general, general, generational. Uh, it is it generations through different generations and see yeah. the greatness of that. And also, and the last thing I'll say about this, how physical the NBA was back then. I mean, when they played the Detroit Pistons, I mean, it was like a it's a free for all, man. Yeah. I mean, they were trying to, I mean, they were trying to break ribs. They were trying to take your head off. Uh, it was not the basketball that's played now. I mean, it is totally different. So, um, well, Tony, our show is called the seven five Oh, um, we're recording obviously, and you're sitting in your office underneath, uh, Tony Casillas, number 75 Jersey. Is that from the 2010 season that that was the Tom or not 10, uh, but that was, that's the Tom Landry patch, right? On your Jersey up there. Yeah, I, That is, uh, I think that is the inaugural. I think that's the last game that the, was played at the Cal That's right, at Texas, Texas Stadium. Stadium and they Texas had all y'all walk out at right. The right and that was inaugural one they had us come back and um it was you know I had a program signed from there I got the inaugural program from the last game and you know it's kind of one of those uh bittersweet moments mm -hmm. uh, you, you know the fact that uh, they're burying all the memories and going to the new building yeah. but yeah so I, I figured that would be kind of a a very uh you know you know a memorabilia and something to hold on to in frame. Sure. so that's what you're looking back yeah that's what that is sure i was at that game uh against the baltimore ravens on a saturday night i was a freshman in college uh my dad and my cousins and i went and i'll never forget i had a horrible ear infection it was terrible uh but uh and then the cowboys lost and that was terrible but anyway so you're yeah, under like, that's when uh the ravens rushed i think but i'm trying to think the two rushers are rushed for over 100 yards Willis McGahee and there was I'm forgetting the Baltimore fullback. Uh, yeah, it was like back to back big touchdowns. It yeah. was and I forgot to text you last night. We were talking about the old football. Did you see the was it 2010? It was a, the game that was oh, on it was, Buffalo. It was 2007 Monday 2007. Night Football. Yeah, 2007 Week Five. The Cowboys were four zero. Went to Buffalo. That was the so the Bills were on Monday Night Football. Not this past season, but in 2018, and it was their first time on Monday Night Football since that night, 2007. Um, yeah. Well, at, at home, and um, th that was—I'll never forget that game either. I watched that game at a Buffalo Wild Wings with my dad and a bunch of friends and everything, and the Nick Folk end, and I mean the the Terrence Newman. Like people forget the Terrence Newman interception that happened. There was a lot that went into that. Uh, then there was the fact, um, and I didn't rewatch it when it was on last night, but. Uh, Romo hits T.O. for a big gain and they run up and spike the ball in, in trying to get to kick the field goal to obviously, uh, you know, do what they did. Right. And after they spiked the ball, 
they went back and reviewed the T.O. catch, which was at that point two plays ago. Um, and that I remember at the time, like if that happened today, I think it would be a gigantic deal because once once a play runs, you know, the play before it is dead. You know what I mean? And you, you can't go back. But so there was like to set the scene in, in case not you, Tony, but anybody listening didn't watch or doesn't remember it. The Cowboys are trying to go kick a field goal to win the game. There's very little time left. And Romo hits T.O. and it's kind of a shaky. Did he catch it? Did he not catch it? You know, but there's not a lot of time. Left. They run up and spike the ball. And that's when the refs go review the catch and they determine it was not a catch. Ultimately, the Cowboys still get in position, kick the field goal, win the game. But their logic, Tony, was the reason that they waited for them to spike the ball was they didn't want to start or stop the game and review the catch and give the Cowboys a free timeout in the event that, you know, of this or that or whatever, which I guess is fair logic, but still that kind of sucks. Well, it's 13 years ago, 2007, I thought, and, and Romo looked young and that's in, you know, he threw five interceptions, but he could have thrown six. I mean, and oh, going back and watching I've, that. Five picks and a fumble. I mean, it, yeah, was, it was a tremendous, it was a, it was just a horrible game for him. But I mean, the last two minutes they were able to come back, but I was just making an observation of all the, the different players they had on that team. Marion Barber was the starting oh, quarterback, excuse me, running back. Uh, their offensive line, Flozell Adams is still playing. Um, Mark you know, Colombo, tackle. The defensive line, I mean, they had they were pretty deep oh, on the defense. Man. Chris Canny, Jay Radliff, Marcus uh, Spears, Jason Hatcher, Marcus Spears. They had uh, wear on the outside, Greg Ellis, Rookie Roy Williams was still, was yeah. still in the league. So it was kind of it was nice to be able to see that. But the the end, if you see it up to that two minutes, you're like, oh my God, this is a Romo moment where he had, like you said, six turnovers total, but the last yeah. two minutes. I thought it was great when you go back and look at that. I'm like, wow, has it been that long ago? And then when Romo takes his helmet off, I mean, he looks like he just turned 40, what, a couple, two or three that days was ago. last week, yeah. Last um, week. But it was, game, a, it was a tremendous game. It kind of gets you into the, oh, for you know, sure. the mood of watching football. But that was a that was a hellacious game, man. It was crazy. I, I will never forget in the post-game press conference watching on, on TV at the time, um, T.O., you know, he was asked about Nick Folk's game-winning kick, and he was like, yeah, he kicked a 106-yard field goal. And everybody was kind of like, what? And he was like, yeah, he kicked a 53-yard field goal twice. Like, I'll, I'll never forget that part. That was really cool. <laughs> uh, but, okay, so anyway, um, the NFL draft happened last week, and the point I was getting at is our show's called the 7-5-0 because you, you know, wore 75 with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, defensive tackle extraordinaire hailing from University of Oklahoma. Well, Tony, guess what? The Dallas Cowboys drafted a defensive tackle from the University of Oklahoma, and they have assigned him number 75. So Neville Gallimore is just following in your footsteps, dude. Look at that. I don't know what the irony is about that. I And, and it's funny because uh, I got a friend of mine that's going to be doing some marketing, and he wanted me to send him a text message and say, hey, welcome to Cowboys. And send Neville in there, you mean? Yeah, Neville, Neville Gallimore. And I'm like, okay, um, I'll do it. I have not heard back from him yet. So I, I don't I don't know if he's, he's too a, busy. He's a little busy, yeah. yeah he's, he's a player now, man. He's in the NFL. But uh, I thought that was kind of ironic and cool that 75, you know, two Sooners. And I thought it was even more cool is that you, they had the, you know, the Cowboys obviously will get into it, but the draft is kind of just like, you know, it couldn't have failed. It couldn't have worked out any better for me. All these oh. players that they need fall in their lap. And, you know, Neville Gallimore, I watched him, you know, obviously last year, uh, at Oklahoma, the dude's got a lot of upside. Now, I think that the you look at the Cowboys' position inside now. I mean, that's one of their deeper positions, considering what they did in free agency. Right. And now, and, uh, now, yeah, 
So I think it's pretty cool. I just hope uh, that he can bring his game. And again, dude, he's, he's big. I mean, can that, I, I saw, I'm sure you saw the video of him dunk, dunking a basketball, right. he's six, three, 305 pounds and the dude can move. So I'm excited about that. I, I, I just hope that, uh, you know, uh, it works out better than Charles Tapper did. The last oh. center of the defensive line. Well, yeah, Charles had the injury situation that was unfortunate. Um, I'm I'm curious, what was your average playing weight? Like, cause because I think people look at that and say he's over 300 pounds, and and they think like classic one tech. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what was what was your average playing weight over? The, you know, I know it fluctuated and stuff over the course of your career. Well, I was small, but I was a defense. I was a nose tackle. That's so why right. I played two technique on the center and played both both sides and just gap. You know, played gap to control and. Uh, my heaviest weight uh, was two was two ninety five three hundred, mm. and I was I was undersized. Uh, and, and I always I always thought if if I would have started in the four three, my career would have been much much sexier, mm-hmm. better numbers, more sacks. Because I mean I was a you know that's what my position was is right. to, is to keep uh, basically to block for the linebackers and let them roam. So uh, you know that is not in the, in the National Football League, RJ. Six three and three hundred pounds is is somewhat average now, uh, sure. especially in the middle. Uh, but uh, to the point about what he can do is totally different. Different uh, defenses. Uh, you know, you got a guy that's going to be upfield on the edge, and uh, not only can he strong and he can you know play uh, gap orientated defense. Duke can get upfield and, and be disruptive. But at that right. powerful a man and that athletic, uh, especially inside where you have the center and two guards, is aren't your you know, as far as the physicality, aren't your biggest players? I mean, you can take advantage of that mobility, strength, and everything else that goes along with that. It's very nice to see the Cowboys investing in defensive tackle, and you know, it's still these these are smaller investments than than call it. You know, say a Fletcher Cox, that's kind of the gold standard, obviously. But still, to see them go out and sign Joe McCoy, signed on Terry Poe, draft Neville Gallimore is is just a breath of fresh air compared to. Ah, uh, we'll we'll have older Jason Hatcher do. We'll we'll bring in Henry Melton. We'll bring in Terrell McLean. You know, I mean, like it's it's really nice to see. And we'll 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 go uh, today. Tony Christian Covington signed with the Denver Broncos. You know, we'll we'll just it's it's hey, maybe if you invest there, you'll get some elite production out of defense. Yeah, you've you've already um you know got some solid edge rushes. You added another in Bradley Anaya. Um, mm-hmm. and so I mean, it's nice. It's it's very. I I don't want to you know, dance on the Jason Garrett era, but, and and all the credit certainly belongs, I think, to Will McClay and the scouting department, but it's hard to not look at what the Cowboys have done at defensive tackle and think that it is an emphasis from Mike McCarthy and Jim Tom Sula wanting, you know, some elite presence there. And, and I'm sure if, if I was Mike McCarthy, I would have taken one look at what the Cowboys did over the last decade and been like, hey, why don't you put somebody good there and, and maybe something good will happen. Yeah, I think it's a thumbprint of uh, the combination of uh, Mike McCarthy, Michael Nolan, uh, and obviously management to go out and get the players that they need. And you know, if, you know, Christian Covington. I mean, people are like, who's that? I mean, that's you know, the point is you're not going to miss that dude. I mean, he he came in as a and basically was a was a player to give him some reps and hopefully give him added depth. But yeah, you know, he wasn't this big time playmaker. And so you you know you bring guys in and they're going to make a contribution and we don't know what these guys are going to do. I mean, we think on paper and, and I mean, on, had, on paper, it's an incredible, it's draft. a tremendous, it's a tremendous draft. You know, CD lamb, I mean, who would have thought he would be there at 17. I mean, that's just a, you know, at, the, at that time I was a little, you know, why'd they do that? But I get it considering the rest of the draft, what ended up happening. 
happening. I mean, do you need a, another a wide receiver? But, I mean, he's kind of a can't miss. It's like going to the restaurant and I'm giving up dessert and this, this restaurant's known for dessert. I'm like, I'm sorry, i got to have my dessert, all right? So, um, but, I mean, the, the thing about it is like five years, RJ, uh, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, we'll find out, you know, if if sure. you know if if Neville Gallimore is a, I mean, it's a third round pick. So I mean, really, the risk and reward is, I mean, there's a lot of upside to it. You mentioned C.D. Lamb, and um, you know, I don't, I don't know what restaurant is famous for dessert, but I need to go there as soon as all this is over. <laughs> but I don't view it that same way, because um, I'm, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but that makes it sound like he's a bit of a luxury. Um, I think that, I mean, you think about how often NFL teams play out of 11 personnel now. And so, you know, in that respect, he's almost a starter. I mean, he's he's a fringe starter. You know, I mean, he's a significant player, whoever that person is. And so to to have a beast, Edie Lamb, and and who who was a week ago, who was their third receiver? But don't even call it slot receiver. Who was their third receiver? Devin Smith? Cedric yeah. Wilson? You know, yeah. I mean, so it it was, you know – a need. I mean, it wasn't as big of a need as edge rusher or corner or maybe even defensive tackle, uh, even with the free agency additions. But it was certainly a need. It was, if if anything, the only real need on offense. Center, obviously, you know, a little bit with the Travis Frederick retiring, and they did address that as well. But um, what did what was your favorite part of C.D. Lamb's game? I mean, you watched a lot of Sooner football, obviously, and, and have for a long time. Um, what do you like about C.D.? My greatest moments of watching them play was against Texas. And I'm not just saying nice. that because I'm Texas, <laughs> but if you go back and watch, uh, I think there's uh, there one play where he makes a catch and what he's able to do with the ball after he catches it. You know, he's like weaved in and out and just he's so fluid. And right. I mean, he's got nice size to him. Uh, he's can, he can, he runs good routes. Uh, you know, he's explosive enough. And I, and well, so the thing is. No, you're fine. I mean, he's explosive enough. And you're, get, you're getting choked up because he's. Yeah, I am talking about the, I'm just thinking about the, you know, the potential here, and it's how great it's going to be. Be crying and you know, and for uh, the, the Eagles and the Giants and the Redskins. Um, but yeah, I think that that's to him when you watch him play, uh, he sticks out because you know, obviously going to be a lot different when you come to NFL, but. Um, He's got an upside. He's got this uncanny ability with his body position to make plays, and he's, he's explosive. He's, and I think I think the best thing about it, he's got good character. I think he's a good kid. He's coachable, and he's not one of these cocky dudes that, you know, hey, I'm in the NFL, I'm gonna tear it up. I think he understands it, and I think they value that. Sure. I mean, he is. He's built like a monster, and he's incredibly fast. He's incredibly agile. He's great after the catch. There's no rhyme or reason to not be over the moon in love with the CD land pick. And then I, I mean, to, to go a little bit beyond that, not a little bit, but um, I mean, to land Trayvon Diggs afterwards, I mean, you know, a guy who many people project to be much better. These guys only been playing cornerback for two years at Alabama. I mean, again, I just, there's, there's not a sector of the draft class that is not worth throwing a party over. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's one of those things that, like, you ever have a night when you're out or whatever, and it's just like, you know, it's like, oh, it, you know, this bar has been cool. Let's go to another one, you know, whatever. And, and you, you bar hop, whatever. And it's the, you know, you're kind of worried, like, is, is the vibe going to be as good? Because I was having a great time here. You know what I mean? And then you go and it's better, you know what I mean? And you're like, 
how did this get better? I just, I, I couldn't have seen that coming. And of course, then- I've had too many of those nights in my in my lifetime to, <laughs> to, to mention. There's numerous ones, but, you know, it was, it, it was a good time. But, you know, and, and you mentioned uh, whether you need a, a player or, or whatever the case may be, you take the best player available. And, right. and here's the difference between CeeDee Lamb and some of the other draft picks. Trayvon Diggs, I think he'll uh, he'll be he'll be plugged in there as hopefully with along with all the other DBs they have to mm-hmm. be a contributor. But CeeDee Lamb, to me, you can plug him in right away. Mm-hmm. And I think that the learning the the, the learning gap is is not going to be as, as much with CD because he is you know he's got a certain amount of skill set. Now he's going to have to learn obviously the nuances of defensive backs in the National Football League. But I think you can say okay immediately you know this is a can't miss guy. We can immediately put him in and. You know, and I think another thing, RJ, is a lot of people get all caught up in the number one receiver. I mean, there's a number, there can be a one, two, three receiver that can make a lot of, you know, contributions throughout the offense. But I think with CeeDee Lamb, I mean, he's going to be a, a great target. He's going to give them like multitude, multi, multiple opportunities at the receiving position. But I just think that he's a very impactful player. And as soon as he gets into the system, he'll be able to make plays. Uh, compared to some of these other guys going to need some more growth. I think the defensive back position is a lot harder position to navigate and get sure. a hold of it just because covering these freaking, you know, these guys that are fast in space and just totally different is the way you cover in the National Football League. I think wide receiver is much not easier, but it doesn't – it comes a little faster. Sure. Well, and it's – Again, easier is not the right word, but we'll just use it. It's easier when you've also when you're joining a wide receiver room in an offense that has Amari Cooper, that has Michael Gallup, that has Zeke. You know what I mean? You're oh, not. There's so many weapons it, that he's going to yeah. be able to thrive out of. It's like a quarterback um, going into a system whenever they don't is have anybody around him, but immediately he's like the incumbent. He's got to play. Well, that's not going to work out very well for him. It's like Dak his first year when he came in and. and you know, he, he started. I mean, he had a lot of things around him. It's a great quarterback, or excuse me, a great running back. So it was easier for him to have, you know, to, to take, uh, you know, take uh, advantage of this learning, the learning curve. So something that I don't think is being touched on enough um, is Dak Prescott. And by the way, we've said it already on all of our shows, but uh, just to reiterate it again, our thoughts and prayers, Tony and I, is both with Dak and his family uh, after yeah, the loss absolutely. of his brother last week. Yeah. Um, but so to talk about on the field, so last week before the draft, uh, Bob McGinn, who's covered the Green Bay Packers forever, uh, does it now for the Athletic, uh, was on the Around the NFL podcast last week and was just kind of talking, you know, the draft and different, you know, things, you know, that were thought that were going to happen and whatnot. And obviously, because he covers the Green Bay Packers, the subject of the Packers came up. And, you know, there was a lot of talk going into the draft about the Packers giving Aaron Rodgers weapons. And obviously, that didn't happen the way Packers fans wanted, which is funny enough. But he said this, Tony, uh, this is his exact quote. He said, Mike McCarthy, if he told me this once, he told it to me 20 times. His goal was to make the quarterback look great. That was his entire goal as a coach. Number one objective. Now, first of all, you look at what the Packers are doing, and it's it's in no way, you know, doing what they can to um to make Mike or you know Aaron Rodgers great. Drafting another quarterback really isn't helping that, and so that's funny enough in and of itself. However, the CD Lamb pick. Look, okay, if if you're going to invest in your quarterback, which the Cowboys are going to do at some point, it is going to happen. Dak Prescott will have a long-term contract. You know what you should do? Make that dude badass. You know, <laughs> like people love to say, Tony, like, 
who well, who would Dak be if if he didn't have Zeke or who would Dak be if he didn't have Amari? Who cares? He he has them. You know what I mean? Like he he has them. So you know what's a good idea if you have a really good quarterback? Give him some really good weapons, and that way the offense will be awesome. I I know you and I both agree that Dak is really good and an ascending player. And so to give him this is you mentioned 2016 and that offense was very good that Dak jumped into as a rookie. But this is without question the greatest cast that especially from a skill position standpoint that Dak is going to have throughout his NFL career to this point, because yeah, in, in 2016, yeah. Dez and Terrence Williams and Cole Beasley were a great wide receiver trio and, and no, you know, nothing to poo poo on them. But they were all what they were. Dez was your X. Terrence was your Y. Cole was your Z. That was it. Now you have three dudes that can do everything. And they're so versatile. And it's going to be great for him. Yeah, I, I think that you've surrounded him with a lot of great tools. And his offensive line is, you know, you know, they're, you know, they lost uh, Travis Frederick to retirement. But, mm -hmm. you know, they drafted a guy that hopefully he can plug in or, you know, uh, Joe Donnelly. Uh, he's he's, uh, you know, he's a backup center. Uh, so they, they've surrounded him with great weapons. And I just love when people say, oh, well, you know, it, it, that's why he's so good because you got so many people around him. Well, isn't that, isn't that yeah. what your goal is to surround yourself with, uh, you know, the greatest uh, playmakers and, you know, cocoon your quarterback when it yeah. comes to throwing the football? So, I mean, a lot of teams would say, you know, had, had that problem. Uh, but, you know, the execution part of it is, is, is something that you have to really sure. work on. And, you know, that's going to be a, you know, it's a new system and, and, and things of that nature. So uh, without a doubt, I mean, you look at, you know, uh, you look at who they have now on, on offensive line, uh, you know, their, uh, their, their running back position, the wide receivers. Uh, it's, it's a great opportunity for Dak Prescott. Now, uh, the, the question is, you know, are you going to sign Dak Prescott to a long-term deal? Is he going to do the franchise tag? But right. without a doubt, this is a great way that he can thrive and even take his game to the next level. You know, on the subject of long-term deal or franchise tag, I mean, I don't think you build this offense where you've re-signed Amari, you've got Zeke on a big deal, you've got your O-line locked up, granted a new center, you just extended your starting tight end in Blake Jarwin, you just drafted CeeDee Lamb. I don't think you do all that just to hit the reset button at quarterback. You know what I mean? Like in a weird way, it almost gives Dak more leverage. You know what I mean? Because like you have this incredible fighter jet, you know what I mean? And you need a, an elite pilot to fly it. You know what I mean? And yeah. you, you can't, you know what, what Ben DiNucci is, is yeah. going to be the guy you hand this over to. You know what I mean? So in a, in a weird way, it kind of gives Dak more leverage. Uh, I wrote about this, Tony, and so I'm curious. I'll, I'll ask you this. Um, when the Cowboys will be in 11 personnel this season, what is the weakest part of their offense? And so this is the whole offense. All right. So at offensive line, and we'll, we'll pencil in Joe Looney at center. you got Tyron Smith. We'll go Connor Williams at left guard, uh, who did go to the University of Texas. Again, everybody makes mistakes. Uh, Joe Looney, Zach Martin, Lyle Collins. you got Dak at quarterback. you got Zeke at running back. You've got Blake Jarwin at tight end. And then you've got Amari, Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb. What's the weakest spot there? The three options, because I included a poll that I came up with, were Connor Williams at left guard, Joe Looney at center, or Blake Jarwin at tight end. Those are those are the ones that stand – I mean, I say stand out like, you know, it's a big deal, but um, those are the ones that stand out to me. Yeah, I mean, Connor Williams will be his third year. We know he kind of had that the, – the first year of just 
being able to transition and adjust. To right. And he came, up, came on last year before he got hurt a little bit. So, I mean, there's yeah, Joe Looney, he's not Travis Frederick. I mean, it's very difficult. I mean, you're replacing a uh, future, you know, uh, maybe a, a Hall of Famer and, and just the success he's had as a player. And then, you know, Blake Jarn, I'm not, I'm not really going to bind. I think Blake Jarn will be okay. I think Blake Jarn is going to have a tremendous year. But if I had to say I bought all the, you know, the, the personnel on there, the other, you know, the 11 guys, that would be the, you know, the, the, weakest? Guess, the weakest part of that if they, it is, uh, which can really just be a really strength for them, Blake Jarn. Uh, you know, those three places. So that's where I, you know, that's where I would look at. Um, but, here, you know, when you mentioned Dak Prescott, you know, if he did, he gets, he's got, he plays under, underneath the, under the franchise tag this year. He's going to make 33, $35 million this year, right? Mm hmm. Okay. Well, considering and look, I don't think he's going to think this because I don't think he wants to, you know, wait anymore because he deserves to get a new contract. What if it, this is the best opportunity for him as far as putting up numbers? I mean, he can oh. say, "Look, I'll go out, I'll go out, and I'll light it up, and I'll put up some big numbers." That's a, that's then, a you're great have, point. then you're going to have to pay me forty million. That's so. A, if you're the Cowboys and you're thinking about it, I mean, it's a little poker, and it's a little both poker on both sides. But if you're Dak Prescott, you're thinking, hmm. We just drafted a hell of a playmaker in CD Lamb. We may be Dude. better than we were last year. So I can, you know, I can throw for over 5,000 yards. I can throw for. <laughs> well, you can't go us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's, peel, let's peel this onion back because so we know that Dak bet on himself last year, right? Because he went into the final year of his rookie contract, right. kicked ass, mm -hmm. and now is, has the leverage that he has. Yeah. Um, to your point, if and and let's say you and I are representing Dak, right? So now we're just focus grouping, right? We're saying, well, how do we want to approach this? Maybe the thought process is, look, the Cowboys just drafted Ceedee Lamb, like you just said, Tony. D you know, Dak dominated last year with Randall Cobb in the slot. Imagine, no, oh, no offense to Randall Cobb, uh, but imagine what he's going to look like when Ceedee Lamb is out there. I mean, you know, to your point, maybe he hits five thousand yards. So. And so not only is that working for Dak, but and we've said this several times, and believe me, I'm not saying Dak will be better than this guy in any way, but the Pat Mahomes deal is coming around the corner. All right. So what if we just wait to time this up right then? You know, what if we just wait and, you know, whatever, whatever comes first, Dak kicks ass with CeeDee Lamb in the offense, Pat Mahomes' deal, whatever of these two things happens first or Deshaun Watson's deal, all that's going to do is hike up our number. So that that's that's why unless unless Dak's team is just overwhelmed or the Cowboys agree to a four year deal as opposed to a five year deal, there is absolutely no incentive for Dak to sign that deal. Well, the only incentive would be is look, I, do I want to risk getting hurt? Do I just want to go ahead? Right, and, sure. Yeah, but you're still going to make thirty three, thirty five million, but you're not going to be guaranteed seventy, eighty, or whatever that number may be. So. Right. That's oh, the I, risk. That, that guarantee is going to be over 100. Yeah, over 100, man, whatever it is. I just yeah. don't want something out there. Uh, but, I mean, that's the that's the risk that you take. And I don't know – I don't think that we as players think that way because we're thinking about what we need to get now. And mm -hmm. and we don't think about, well, let me go out and ball another year. And do you think they're going to – will they pay me uh, next year? Am I going to be able to put up the same numbers? Right. Am I going to be able to to stay injury free, stay on the field? So there's a lot of parameters because there's no there's no guarantee that Jerry's going to say I'll take care of you, Dak. I mean, that doesn't happen. I mean, as much as we think that, look, you know, Jerry or whatever owner is is great and just excited about. I mean, the dude got risk for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. So 
I mean, that's the risk. Uh, but I mean, if he's really stuck on that number, I mean, if he has to hold out, if that's something he wants to entertain, um, I think it's up to him. But I think that's a scenario you can look at. But still, again, you're risking your your career. You're risking your, you know, as far as uh, getting injured. And a lot of parameters that go into it that you have to think about. It kind of feels like, um, like you know, how like the classic, um, you know, somebody's going to walk a tightrope between two buildings type thing, right? Yeah. Let's, like if if that's what this was, adding CD Lamb was like adding a safety net underneath. You know what I mean? Yeah, like okay. it's still it's still terrifying and it's still right. very dangerous. But you now know that that net is their worst case scenario, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and I think it's all just speculation too because things happen. Someone can – offensive linemen can get hurt. I mean, it's a part of the injuries, a part of the game. So that's the way you can look at it. But I don't think that that Prescott wants to follow Kirk Cousins. Now, Kirk Cousins right. made a hell of a money, but he, what he franchised, they franchised in three years in a row. I don't think that that's what he wants. I mean, Kirk Cousins, he turned out pretty good. He made a hell of a lot of money, man. I mean, when we look back upon Kirk Cousins' career – He's oh. probably going to rank up there besides Patrick Mahomes and some of these other quarterbacks. Well, Eli Manning made over $225 right. million in salary. Well, That's and crazy. the reality, too, is, you know, when, when Le'Veon Bell held out and everything, he said, well, I'm doing everything I'm doing for the future of the running back position. That didn't, you know, as noble as that was, that didn't really have the intended effect. But Kirk did have an effect. Kirk revolution, not revolutionized, but significantly impacted the way, you know, pending free agents go about what they're going to do. Kirk, Kirk provided the avenue to use your leverage, which Dak is not quite doing, but Dak is potentially, you know, on the precipice of doing himself. But RJ, who's a better quarterback? If you put well, those yeah. guys in run together, who's who's a better quarterback? That's my point. I mean, Dak is, and and what Kirk did opened the door for if Dak wanted to go down that road. You know, Kirk Kirk blazed that or trailed was it? I always mess that phrase up. He trailblazed that path. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like Kirk, you know, Kirk's the dude who went down first and set up the signs, turn left here. You know what I mean? Like whatever. And maybe Dak will go down that path. But to your point, Dak's a better quarterback. So yeah. Dak going down, it would make Dak all the more wealthy. And, and Kirk Cousins to me seems like he's not that Dak or anyone else is getting paid a, a boatload of money. Right. She's very grateful that look, I'm just glad to be here. Sure. I don't think that Prescott now is thinking that. He's like, I'm the franchise quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. I had a hell of a year last year. It's time. It's it's my turn. I mean, that's, um, that's the way I approach it. Did you know that Kirk Cousins is a San Antonio Spurs fan? Oh, well, see there. He's not a bad yeah. dude. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, uh, <laughs> I interviewed Kirk at the Super Bowl in Houston. Um, and it was, uh, it was at the puppy bowl exhibit. So I had to like walk through a bunch of like puppies to interview him. For some reason, I always think San Antonio, it all comes, you know, comes in the, you know, in, in, yeah. in the, the talks that comes around when we, we mentioned players. Hey, I mean, look, on, the, the reality <laughs> is Kirk is a Spurs guy. I mean, so, you know, and he went to Michigan state. So did Bryn Forbes. Kawhi yeah, Leonard I mean, fan also, I, I think I read. There's no need for that. Tony. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway. Uh, so, okay, give me another rookie that you're excited about, part of this draft class. And we've talked about this class for, you know, lots and lots and lots of time. But we've already talked about Neville Gallup. We've basically talked about the Sooners. Uh, but other than that, we talked about Diggs a little bit. Reggie Robinson tickle your fancy. Bradley Anaya, Tyler Biotish. I mean, you know, maybe you are a Ben DiNucci guy. I mean, who's who else stands out to you? Uh, I, I like Bradley and I. I think that he has got a lot of upside to him. I like the corner uh, from Tulsa. He was uh, was it 
what was that conference? Conference USA Player of the Year, uh, Defensive Player of the Year. I, I mean, they've changed so many times. <laughs> but he's got a lot of upside to him. Um, he's got so some he, safety he, flexibility, according to Jerry, too. <laughs> so, I mean, God, I love our I, I love just watching. We haven't even talked about him being on that yacht and the way they did the draft. Oh, we'll get, I mean, that, we'll was so, that was so JR-ish, man, from the Dallas, you know, the billionaire dude. But that, anyway, that. Um, I think I think the defensive end, I mean, he dropped uh, he, he dropped in the draft. I, I, I read about it. he didn't run a good 40 time. But then right. I went back and watched his, you know, watched his tape on YouTube. And the dude's got a lot of upside. I mean, who cares if the guy doesn't run a four six man? I mean, as long as he can get by edge, be a good edge rusher and and, and be a playmaker, I think that may be, you know, I, you know, I'm going to costly approach this, but that may be a deal. I'm excited about what he can do. And 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 look, as I as I mentioned earlier in our on our podcast, we'll see in three, four, five years. I mean. It, you know, we saw what happened with Taco Charlton when it come to edge rusher, and I hate Good to boy. bring that in the conversation, but um, I like that pick. I like the center from Wisconsin. I mean, there's right. a lot of – I mean, that's it's a pick all, the Eagles they traded, guys. you know, with yeah. the Cowboys. Um, but the thing, it's hard not to get excited because when you have a knee and there's your value and you get really good value in your picks, it's hard not to automatically get excited. But once right. the novelty wears off R.J., and it's all about going out and, and, and transitioning and playing and, and seeing how to adjust and see how what these guys do. Uh, that's when you start, you know, holding all your judgment. Um, so Daniel Jeremiah, the top draft analyst from NFL Media, um, tweeted out on Monday his top value uh, picks from every round. And so he tweeted right. out where they were picked and where he had them ranked. And he went through every single round and just did the top one of that round. So Bradley and I was obviously the fifth round, um, you know, uh, guy that he had on that list. Daniel Jeremiah had Bradley ranked as his 75th overall player. And the Cowboys got him at 179 for an overall net value of plus 104. That's, That's just pretty good. That's a good investment. That's unbelievable. Potentially a great investment. Um, That's a value stock right there. So I want to get to Jerry's yacht to close out. But before that, uh, we uh, we have a, an article about, about this on the site, and we put out a photo on all our social channels. Um, these are notable and available current NFL free agents, Tony. So just I'm going to read through this list real quick, and you tell me if, if anybody just tickles your fancy. So we've got four edge rushers on the list. Jadeveon Clowney, Everson Griffin, Marcus Golden, and Clay Matthews, who obviously has familiarity with Mike McCarthy. We've got four safeties. Morgan Burnett, Clayton Gathers, Tony Jefferson, Rashad Jones. Again, the Cowboys did already bring in Haha Clinton Dix. We have some offensive tackles if you're, you know, not thrilled about them. Uh, the state of them, Cowboys still somewhat in the market for a swing tackle. Kelvin Beecham, Jason Peters is a free agent at the moment. Damar Dodson. And Cordy Glenn. And then we have five cornerbacks on this list. Uh, again, the Cowboys did draft both Diggs and Reggie Robinson, but you never know, especially if they move Cheeto over to safety, like it's been floated out. That would provide a need, obviously, at corner. Prince Amukamara, Eli Apple, Darquez Denard, Logan Ryan, and Dre Kirkpatrick, who they were somewhat connected to before the draft. Do any of those names on that list make you want to get up out of your chair and shout? Uh, you know, for value, if you can get them at a good price, I've always liked Clay Matthews. I always like his energy. I always think that he's a, a dude that can, can give you uh, – kind of reminds me of a Chris Long right now in his career. You know, the, the Chris Long, we, you know, played for Philadelphia and then was I think, drafted uh, by 
Yeah, he's at that. He can be that. Yeah, yeah, edge rusher. Give you probably 15 snaps, 20 snaps a game. Um, uh, Jason Peters, uh, not Jason Peters, but uh, yeah, the the deep offensive tackle. Right. um, Or the former, I guess, former, yeah, obviously for the Eagles. I mean, the Cowboys need a tackle, backup tackle, and, and I don't I know, know if he that, wants to go be a, a swing tackle. Yeah, that would be that'd be kind of weird, wouldn't it? I, and I don't know, maybe and he's had some injury problems. I don't yeah. know where he fits in right now as far as uh, health and what he can dictate on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think those two guys, and I, again, it would be really weird, man, him blocking for for Dak Prescott and when they go play the Eagles, considering all these damn years yeah. uh, that they played uh, against each other. And, uh, but I, I think really those two guys kind of just, when I, it may, it's not just a name brand. Uh, Javadian Clowney, he's going to be out of the, the ballpark. I mean, he's yeah, going to too much That's the name money. every, yeah. all of the comments that we've gotten so but far. We're talking value. Fine. So if we're talking value, like the draft the Cowboys had and which was spectacular, I like those two names. Okay. Um, that's fair. I, again, all the responses we've gotten are clowny, 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 but I don't know that I, I see that I was doing anything. Um, wow. I mean, it's hard not to be it actually, I'll, I'll say it this way. I was going to say it's hard not to be pleased, but I'm going to re- rephrase that. It's hard not to trust what the 2020 Cowboys are doing. They've, I think, uh, given a lot of reason to trust what they're doing. They seem prepared. They seem well-organized. They seem like somebody who has a major voice, Tony, has spent the last year preparing for an opportunity to build another NFL team. Mike McCarthy seems like a dude who's got all his ducks in a row. God, just everything has happened. I mean, the way you could – I don't think Jerry could have had a, a, a fantasy dream that night on a shot and think, oh, my God, I'm going to get these, this – I'm not going to have to, you know, come out of my skin. And right. that's the thing that I like about this draft, RJ. They didn't have to come out of their skin. They were patient, and everything just kind of fell in place. Right. And sometimes you'd rather be lucky than good, right? Right. Well, and then when they did, you know, kind of just a little bit jump up, when they traded up to draft Biotis, the center out of Wisconsin, again, they're throwing away a fifth-round pick. You know, they're going to have mean, three comp picks next right. year anyway. You right. know, I mean, I, I like that move. That's – that's an a, a I used the word aggressive because it was technically aggressive, but that's that's the right way to play poker. You know what I mean? That's the right like, yeah, I'll raise. You know, I'm the big blind. I we're doubling up. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of what that felt like to me. And I think that's what the, the Eagles, the Eagles. Are getting for, right? They're getting yeah. because they drafted Jalen Hurts and they drafted the fifth round. You know, a pick when the Cowboys drafted a center to fill right. a void at that position. Um. So in closing, you've already hinted about Jerry's yacht. What is the most elaborate place that you've ever been with jerry jones oh i'm trying to think um well i haven't been on a 250 million dollar yacht <laughs> with him so uh, i i i'm trying to think i haven't been i haven't been in, uh, in, invited to any of those type of parties um when you say elaborate um I, I'll, I'll i'll put it this way what's the most or what's one of the most Jerry Jones things that's ever happened when you've been around Jerry Jones? You know, like whether it's a certain, you know, spread is available uh, yeah, or, or something. I can't talk about that off, on the record. Okay. On the record I'll, or off the record. Just ask re- me when we're done with our podcast. I'll, I'll rephrase it for the final time and just say okay, that. Okay, I, I, I know. I, were you at all surprised to see Jerry Jones on a quarter billion dollar yacht? I'll answer your first question, which I kind of like you know, okay. tap dance around. I think the best, most, uh, probably the most 
flamboyant or probably the most uh, uh, just classic uh, event I've, I've been to. I didn't go to that $10 million. Was, I didn't, I didn't go to it when he got inducted in the pro football. Oh, right, right. I'm going to go this year, hopefully if they have a game this year for right. Jimmy's induction. Um, but I, when they had the owners meeting at the, for the Super Bowl at, at the, the stadium at at uh, stadium in 2006, I believe it was, was that the ice bowl? Uh, oh no, you think uh, that was 2000. That was no, not 2006, January, January, 2011, January, 2011. Yeah. yeah. Um, get date myself a little bit. Uh, that was pretty cool. But, but I think when he unveiled was it 11 years, it'd be 11 years when they opened up the, uh, the new, the new stadium, mm-hmm. he had this spectacular, just unbelievable, uh, unveiling of the stadium. And that was pretty, that was pretty tight. Uh, as far as the $250 million yacht, I mean, that's, that was great, man. I, I love, first of all, I love the virtual draft. I think it was interesting, RJ, because you got to see, uh, what it, what it was really like, you know, you saw kids, uh, you know, they weren't in a, their million dollar home, right? right? They were in their parents' living room. You saw it was kind of raw, the raw emotion. You saw the owners, different guys. I mean, you saw coach bro, you know, setting up GQ at his, his bachelor pad, Arizona, Cliff yeah. Kingsbury. And then you had, then you had uh, Belichick with his little dog, you know, in his room, in, in his kitchen or whatever. And you had Jerry, man, who set the standard. He just raised the damn bar Played the part of Art of Jr. from Dallas, man, just knocking it out of the park. It was spectacular. It was cool to see like some prospects, uh, some draftees with like, like you know how like I mean you just went through this, but uh, when when like kids graduate high school and they have like the graduation party, and there's like the banner, you know what I mean? That you oh, hang, yeah. that you hang in the yard. Like yeah. that was so cool just to see Good how social distancing, so yeah. you know, celebration. Now. I mean, it was it was just raw, just very candid emotion. It was cool. Um, last one. Give me a letter grade for the Cowboys draft class. I got to go A. Me too. I, I got to go A plus because there's such thing. But right now, I mean, you got to give them an A for what they did and patient and just feeling a need for, for every, you know, to the pick that they need. And to put a cherry on top of it, to be able to draft CeeDee Lamb at 17, I mean, I, I just put them over the, over the top. Well. Spectacular. Congratulations, to Dallas Cowboys! I'll give them an A. I mean, I, for the yeah. same reason, I, it's it's impossible to give an A plus. I mean, maybe if in five years they're all hall, you know on Hall of Fame trajectories, we we'll give it an A plus. But um, it's it's as good as it can be, um, which is what you want to be. So, um, well done. Well, Tony, we'll be back next week uh, to uh, to do this again. And uh, by the way, I, like I was taking a picture of us doing our podcast. I like our new digs now. So yeah, that's what I was going to uh, say. Picture you. We uh, we did alter uh, for the listener. We did alter the recording software. So if you think it, it worked or uh, it sounded terrible, uh, let us know. Tony is on Twitter at TC Casillas. I'm on Twitter at RJ Ochoa. And uh, on over there, you can see Tony talking about who knows what. Maybe um, you know, maybe Jerry's yacht or whatever. But uh, anyways, we'll see everybody next week. Have a good one. This was the Seven Five Zero.